Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 625. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my regular co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, October 26, 2022. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, it's certainly cold and flu season. I'm as stuffy as can be, and... You know, they have all these amazing medical things that are out there now. I still want the Dyson attachments. That's the equivalent of the ENT nasal vacuum, you know, where you just hook up the Dyson, cleans you straight out. It's like the neti pot on steroids. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. We are less than two weeks away from VMware Explore in Barcelona. I know myself, you, Corey, some of the community's team are going to be over there in person, getting to meet with our immediate community members. I, I have spoke with some of the folks over there from the EUC team at ITQ. They're going to have uh, 85 people in attendance from that particular uh, VMware partner. And I can't see wait to see the rest of uh, the, all of our other uh, EMEA partners that were not able to make uh, the U.S. event. But besides that, sir... My favorite questions, how are you? How are things out on the West Coast? And most importantly, what is the color of the bay? Let me tell you, it is winter here as well. It's like uh, 50 degrees here midday. It's chilly. It's cold. It's darn right cold for us. Uh, can't can't say that winter isn't here because it is. And uh, the color of bay is starting to are green and choppy when it's windy and cold like this and cloudy. Maybe we'll actually get some rain. Uh, I'm excited as well to get to uh, VMworld Europe. We've been busy. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Dollar in the tip jar. Dollar in the cup. Dollar in the cup. I give (laughs) up. It's a VMware Explorer. Uh, Excited to get over there to Europe, though, for sure. Um, We've got a lot of stuff going on. we got all the nooks uh, that we've got ready to go. Uh, We've got uh, a a sponsor for that. Cohesity is uh, helping us uh, pay for the nooks in Europe. So uh, if you if you can come out to get your nooks and uh, throw some love to Cohesity, that's going to be fun. I'm sure Corey will talk about that. Uh, on the show today, I'm excited because we have uh, Eduardo, and I don't even want to say his last name. He'll just tell it to us. <laughs> Medellis, something like that. Medellis, Medellis. Um, he's here. He's a senior cloud architect. Um, he was in Brazil for the uh, the VMware Explorer down there as well. So we'll get to talk to him about what his impressions were for our first uh, uh, South American uh, VMware Explorer conference. So excited about that. But we're going to hear about Aria. And uh, he's here to demystify Aria, talk about what the, all the announcements were, uh, multi-cloud management, that topic. <coughs> so I'm excited to have him on the show and talk to that. But before we get to the main topics, uh, Corey Romero, you're up there in Utah. I, su- I suppose it's winter there now as well. And uh, how's it going? for you out there and what's going on with the experts it's going great uh yeah actually i'm actually in california this week and the day after i left utah we got six inches of snow so uh 
quite cold at home now. Uh, it was a little bit warm when I got when I left, but uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to going back and dealing with snow. But it is what it is, and uh, winter's just fine. V Expert News got a whole bunch of news here. Got some really cool stuff. So V Expert applications. Uh, if you don't know, they're year round. You can go in and fill out your application. Um, work the you know the submission period is coming up. The submission period is when you'll finalize your application. So you'll have uh, you'll have until uh, January 13th to finalize your application, and then we will begin voting on January 14th through February 10th, and we will announce V Expert awards between uh, then and February 10th. So if we get it done before February 10th, we'll uh, go out with the announcement. So make sure you're active in your areas. Last couple of years, we've done auto approvals. Um, so we've got a bunch of calls or content that we've done. Um, we've got some beta opportunities. We've got a bunch of opportunities for you to participate in. Um, if you need help with something, uh, reach out and uh, more than happy to help uh, with ideas for content or anything else. Um, if you've missed some of the webinars, we've had a couple lately. Uh, we had a, a secure multi-tenancy with VMware and Cohesity. Um, well, Cohesity is also sponsoring the VExpert gift, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, becoming a social media giant, uh, influencer training with Duncan Epping. That was a fantastic webinar. Um, both of those and a lot more can be found in the VExpert app. So if you're a VExpert, you can go find those. Um, for the VExpert gifts at Barcelona, um, they are sponsored by VMware and Cohesity. So shout out to Cohesity. Uh, we will be asking VExperts to come by uh, Monday through Thursday to pick up their gift. Uh, we do have uh, the list ready. So if you uh, had RSVP back in uh, July, uh, we will have your gift ready for you. We also have a sign-up sheet. So if you're not on the list and you wanted to RSVP, uh, we'll put you on a sign-up sheet. And then on Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m., you can come see me. And uh, we will go in chronological order by how you signed up. So if you're there on Monday and you're not on the list, we'll put you on as the first person. And you'll be the first person if we have extra on Thursday. Um, we also did a VMware social media advocacy integration into the VExpert app. And so um, if you go to the directory, you can see your own or others um, social media activity, how many shares they have, how many likes. Um, it's also in our application. Uh, so very, very cool. If you don't know what social media advocacy is, uh, you, there is a webinar we did with Noel Greer uh, that was recorded on uh, March 30th of this year. And so that is also in uh, under the webinars. Uh, you can go find that as well as an email from March 30th. Um, vSphere 8 and vSAN licenses are in your Customer Connect account. Uh, we're starting to move licenses going forward over to Customer Connect, just ease of use and uh, tracking. And so we can uh, make sure everyone gets their proper licenses. If you have issues with your licenses, if you have, reach out to me, email, and I'll take care of it. And lastly, I have a V, uh, v, uh, v Expert V Beers meetup uh, while we're at VMware Explore in Barcelona. Um, so it's going to be at the Wild Rover Irish Pub, and it's going to be Monday night. Uh, that's the 7th at 7 p.m. Uh, that is in your email um, from yesterday's email also. And um, that's all I've got. Nice. For a I couple Go ahead, Matt. with that one, as always, uh, reach out to your local VExpert Pro it, it, within your mm -hmm. region if you have questions about the application process. Uh, as far as the license keys and moving over to the Customer Connect portal, so the email address that's in use for the Customer Connect portal, that is the same as the email address that you use for the VExpert portal, is it not? 
Yes, it is. Yep. Okay. I know there was some questions out there about in the community for maybe some people that have not gone to the customer connect portal because they use one for you know, more of their professional license keys or whatnot. And hey, wh which one do I need to use here and, and whatnot? So the one, the email address that you're using to log into the vExpert portal is the same email address that you should be using for the customer connect portal. And that yep. would show you your licensing entitlements that now we have moved over for both vSphere 8 and vSAN 8 as uh, those have just gone uh, initial availability out there within the last couple of weeks. And for those of you that want to try that out in your home lab, um, especially with all the new features improvements for both uh, core vSphere and uh, for those of you that have the necessary equipment, to do the new iteration of vSAN. I'm sure that we'll get Mark Hubert on here soon enough to hear all about that in his home lab. Uh, but the keys for those are there under evaluations. Yes, thanks for that, Matt. Nice, nice, nice. I was gonna ask the same question. So good to get that that out of the way, how to go get your license keys. Super excited about that. Uh, I know that for the Nooks, uh, we have Bill Roth doing a session with myself uh, at, at Europe where we've uh, run vSphere, we've run Tanzu uh, on those uh, Nooks and 32 gig SIMs gets you 64 gig of memory. So should be a lot of fun to do that. And uh, if you don't get overflow. I'm thinking maybe you have a shot of getting overflow if you didn't register back in July. Um, if you get on that overflow list, I think that maybe you got a shot at it because I think uh, after the VMworld US one, we had maybe 75 extra nooks that were not claimed from the people that had signed up for them. So, and I think we have the similar numbers in Europe. So there is a shot that uh, if you go to the overflow list, if you listen to this podcast or you read your VExpert mail, you'll be able to get one. So excited about that. Absolutely. Uh, anything else before we get to Eduardo? All right, Eduardo, we always start the podcast because we are a community podcast. Uh, yep. introduce, introduce yourself. Um, what's your career arc look like? How did you get where you are today? How long have you been working? What did you do when you grew up? You know, did you go to college? Did you go to anything <laughs> else? Like, or did you just start geeking out and installing machines early in life? How did you end up in IT? And uh, and then, you know, why are you here in the ecosystem today? Well, you should take a handful of minutes to do that. You can take five minutes and give us the elevator pitch of how you got where you are. And then we'll start getting into Aria. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Uh, wow. I'm Eduardo Meirelles. You can call me Meirelles or Meirelles. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm based in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I've been at VMware. Let's start with VMware for, uh, I'll be 11 years by the end of the year. So my career at VM evolved. I, I joined VMware as a consultant 11 years ago. So I work on a lot of projects implementing, wow, <laughs> a lot of a lot of projects as you imagine. I I, I have a, a broader understanding of and the project. A lot of years, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of. It's kind of funny because you can see the company evolve as well. I like I I, I see just a, a couple of products. Maybe by that time, Vcenter, Vrops, SRM or the main goals by that time is VC ops. If you remember, then it is evolved for something else. Then like what you have like today as 
area automation, which was VRA automation. I was here when we bought Dynamic Ops, I did implementation uh, of the, the earliest versions of automation. And wow, I play with a little bit of everything like NSX, VDI. So uh, after six years, there's an opportunity to move to the, the pre-sales uh, organization as a solution engineer. So I, I've been there for like four years covering enterprise accounts in Brazil. And, and as an SE, as a core SE, you cover a huge pro portfolio that uh, VMware has now, right? So it was challenging. <laughs> it was ch changed a little bit because as a PSO, you don't have to convince anyone that you have a good technology that can solve a problem, right? They are they are already bought in, so you were there to deliver the the miracle. So right. that's the easier. Now, with the press sales, you have a lot of extra activities and convincement demonstrations, POC. It's a, a at least in the enterprise accounts, it's a huge cycle that you go from. From, from the beginning to close another deal. So uh, I've been there, I, I learned a lot, but I, I'm a technical guy. I, I, I like to understand things deeply. Uh, so when you have a huge portfolio, cannot be, can be deep in all the dimensions and all the products. So there's this opportunity to become an, a specialist and apply for the job. and. I'm glad I've been accepted. So I've been in a role for like two months. <laughs> and now I, I cover only the cloud management portfolio by itself. There's It's huge. <laughs> but right, that is it. That's what we're going to try to, to to demystify today is a little bit yeah. of the area announcement and uh, the cloud management scenario. So, uh, Matt, maybe you should uh, start out with uh, some some technical stuff of where area is and where we realized was, and go from there. I'll just start at the thirty thousand foot view and say that the initial reaction that I heard in the community. And some of this is right, and I'll say some of it is wrong, is that we've simply just renamed the vRealize suite, which in some instances, like I had mentioned, is true. There, there is some things like we are now, what was uh, vRealize automation is uh, ARIA automation. But in other instances, there is now, you know, the entire cloud health portfolio that is coming into Aria as well as Skyline. And then the entire SaaS component to this and the SaaS dashboarding. So Eduardo, your thoughts on that as far as, you know, the entire product portfolio and kind of, I think that the, if we are entitling this episode as demystifying the product portfolio, that we should start with that it's not just what was vRealize, right? It's this larger overall product portfolio that has, of course, what was vRealize plus cloud health, plus um, the dashboarding, plus Skyline, and then tying this all together to provide this operational insight into what is now uh, cloud migrations and you know an overall cloud adoption strategy uh, to to in Kit's words 
uh, demystify and bring into control what is currently for some customers cloud chaos. Yeah, exactly. Like people, uh, well, the first thing I I got here because of I think my blog, the mystifying area, got a lot of attention because we we had this announcement of VMware Explorer with Hagu on the main stage saying about Aria. And I'm as a VMware insider, I we have a lot of uh, access to information sessions that explain things deeper. When I thought, oh man, I have a lot of doubts that I solve internally. Our customers out there might have the same thing. And this impression, it's a, a rebrand of re-realize uh, suite is something that pop-ups. Oh, people just think, oh yeah, they just renamed the, those products, which should be re-realized. It's now area and you follows area automation, area operations, area log inside are, okay, that's, it's partially true. <laughs> okay. Right, sure. Yeah. That, that's, it checks the box, but there's a lot more to it. But yeah, there's a lot of new solutions that will com compose this entire view. Like, uh, if, like if we start saying what area means is like, uh, picking individual voices or it comes from the musical like individual instruments to to become a single voice you can think in an opera like that so that's the, this idea that we have all these products in, in their own dimensions like operations automations and cost and security that live in, in their own we, we need to bring all them together and present with a single unit that's what ARIA means. But that's, for that to be true, we are uh, releasing something new. It's called ARIA Hub. That will be your cockpit. Then you have your applications. Doesn't matter if it's uh, legacy on-prem VMs, it's cloud native, it's Kubernetes running anywhere, I don't care. We have this cockpit, we can see my VMs and and I can see all the, the this related information that matters in the context of this application, like how much this application costs, how it's performing right now. Do, do I have any security violation on that? I don't need to keep jumping from, from screen to screen to get right. this. Console to the, console, right? Sure. Yeah. It's all in a consolidated multi-cloud multi cockpit, if you will. So it's all possible because of another new technology, it's ARIA uh, graph that's correlating and federating all this information that comes from different sources to present to you in a unified view, okay? That's, uh, that's what you're gonna see uh, initially with ARIA. Uh, and, and also we are adding other products too. There is uh, Aria Guard Hails. It's a high level policy, something uh, that you can set up your desired state, how your environment should look like. And, and, and it will apply, and you constantly monitor and apply if some thrift occurs that you remediate. Like I can say, oh, uh, for instance, a landing zone. I go on, the, on this cloud account. So I have my master account. I have this, I, I want to create organizations under these organizations i i i would say i have my auditor account in all of them 
because I want to audit, I want to build, I don't know, I can set up um, global policies like, okay, no SC3 public CT available or some flavor is not available. And then apply to everyone. If someone goes there and change, I will reapply and ensure my compliance. As the name implies, it's to, to check for configuration drift. Exactly it is. And there's a bunch of templates. It's based on item project that we announced last on VMware, when it was VMware Explorer last year. So we announced IDEN and it's based on IDEN project. Um, we, we have something like it's area migration. It's another great, great tool because uh, it's not all, it's not always just about creating new applications. You have to live with your legacy. There are people that are moving to the, the clouds, rehost, and there is a, uh, we can, help do this planning like we do the curate of the applications you can understand the relationships the dependencies of that and then we can tell the user to, to take decisions how much it costs to move to cloud a b or c then when we understand that you can create waves create blocks of vms schedule them you can you can even set up uh approvals for your manager for a director oh is it okay to move this group of vms from a to b that will be the cost there's we can also uh, add a lot of um, tasks that will occur like in a, on a pipeline so okay move this vm but also change my cmdb with new information change my backup information you can add steps that occur pre and post migration. And one thing that I like the most is how it creates a, a, a kind of benchmarks. Okay, how your application was running before and after the VM. You can see if the ready time is okay or not. So the latency and the performance. So, okay, you migrate my application, now it's slower. You can say, no, in fact, it's faster. Here's the data. So, there's a lot of new stuff that's area. So it's not just a rebrand. So let's unpack that because there, there's so much there, <laughs> right? So yeah. when we think about modern hyperscaler operations, it's mm -hmm. a, a to, to go back to your opera or you know musical performance uh -huh. analogy, it's not about that single instrument where we could pick up in some instances with a customer before where we would have, you know, be realized automation, but we might not have operations or they might have log insight deployed, but not one versus the other. I think is what we're, what we're hearing and it is the feedback that we're getting from the customers is that we needed that entire portfolio, right? To properly do this. We needed to identify those running applications and the interdependencies that we have for those, you know, components that are out there that are, you know, running as individual VMs or uh, Kubernetes instances. Know the relationship between those instances. Understand what the the existing performance is so that we can in internally benchmark that know what the cost of those workloads are via cloud health, 
understand now for the myriad of reasons that we could look at of what would be migrating those workloads over to another hyperscaler, whether that's for redundancy, cost operations, um, some other type of business unit integration, whatever the outside influencers are, that this now that that plat platform allows, and then more day two operations, right? Of once we migrate that workload, knowing that we've benchmarked it before on the next hyperscaler, is it maintaining that same operational consistency? What are our costs over on the new hyperscaler? And then how do we scale all of this, right? What, what is it that if once we want to move it back or that we want to expand out or interlink services and then put this over under an entire product portfolio and dashboard it all so that you make sense of all of these individual components into a you know conductor, if you will, to, to carry along that operatic analogy so that you can walk in and not bounce from console to console to console to come up with these decision-making and operational processes not to mention guard deployments so that the, you know, the, as it for, uh, you know, compliance and auditing and cost controlling, that is also a large decision into this uh, to make sure that these applications function as they should. Yeah, uh, yes, you were absolutely right. So uh, one thing that you said, uh, like for you to be this, rich experience and you have all the dimensions what's going on with your application performance cost uh, sec security posture of course uh, you must have someone feeding this information so as much of the uh, solution if you don't have a solution bring you the cost you won't be able to see how much it costs for you right so you won't be able to do optimization of your costs uh, so that's true. As much as solutions you have, uh, the richer will be your experience. Uh, but the solution, it, it was designed to be a kind of plug-in solution that, okay, I don't have like, uh, I don't know, area operations, but I have another product doing monitoring. Can I plug in and consume those metrics? Absolutely, yes. So you have this like when you, you when you are saying about okay but what about the day two after i i provision it's there it's happening workloads are up and down uh what i do with day two operations there is another uh, uh i didn't mention but there is another solution it's business inside it's a machine learning a uh, solution that be analyzing your environment and give you meaningful informations like things like okay suddenly your costs uh double from one day to another for no reason it's something that you need to have a look or imagine if you are monitoring an application your application is down you got an, an alert for the application you got an alert for the infrastructure for down to the host so the business inside can can correlate all these informations and try to give you a, a, a root cause analysis more precise that reduce your mean time to resolution. For, okay, that's what's happening with your VM. And you can right click on that and remediate. Like 
you have a PCI application and suddenly it's not compliant anymore. Someone just changes something that make you not compliant. Business uh, inside will give you this alert and you can just right click and remediate it uh, from the screen without need to jump to another console and do your analysis. And, and if we didn't have all of those, you know, between drift configuration, <clears throat> It, knowing what the cost consumption modeling could, could possibly be, what the performance snapshot for the application is, all of those pieces that feed into that AI modeling that now we have underneath that common platform, it wasn't necessarily available before. When we, you know, as we start to brand this and put it into an entire suite, then we can start to add in these pieces that allow those into actionable intelligences to move forward. Uh, yeah, if you think back uh, why we are in this situation right now, right? Uh, with, with what happens with the industry, like, okay, everybody now is a software company, right? It doesn't matter our segment you are. Software is giving you this, uh, differentiation among your competitions. You bring, you, you disrupt the market, you capture more marketplace. So uh, as fast as you improve in developing new features on your softwares that make the interface with your user, maybe your end user or your internal users to deliver your products. People understand it a, long, a few years ago in starting creating the uh, consuming services from the cloud providers because it was easy it was fast you go there it's everything self-service they don't care about capacity they don't care about it's always available they don't do capacity plan i just need a database as a service boom a load balance boom i need some rabbit it's too easy to, to consume right too <laughs> easy right. yeah and now we have Get it services. The candy shop, so to say Exactly. And people are picking and choose. Okay, I want this service from this cloud, another server from the other. Uh, probably some applications will rely on your legacy databases as well. So it's a complete mess. We have silos of team that are doing their own team. You, you, you got one team that is specialized on cloud A. They, they use their own tools for monitoring, for security. The, the other team knows cloud B and they have other tools. It, it's not uh, it's not a standard among the company. You, 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 that's the issue right now. How do you apply security uh, uh, in, in a consistently way on all those resources spread among all those clusters? That's what Aria is, is, is playing right now that's the field we're trying to to play right now we need to know have your view of all your applications no matter what it, where it's running it, to crib a little bit off of our friends over virtual speaking when john nicholson was speaking with kit he had made the analogy when you wanted a db before and the application deployment of old right in enterprises it was either oracle or SQL. 
And that's what you had to consume, right? There was a default standard for the organization. That's what everyone knew. There was a, a, that was the, the enterprise standard for that particular org. You had to use SQL, you had to use Oracle or that there are the equivalent of. Now it's the iteration where the developer goes, well, we could use NoSQL, you could use MySQL, we could use Mongo. We, there's a million different uh, iterations Crazy. And because there's so so much choice out there, then you get these individual <clears throat> silos that have their own necessarily cost consumptions, performance, scaling, reporting, visibility, um, and in some instances, guardrails that we need to understand. And I think in some ways where we had the DB admin and of old, this is now trying to put that into, you know, a centralized framework where we still want to give choice to those developers, but then have a backend reporting constraints as far as rather than just going into the wild, wild west <laughs> of, of Azure and AWS and GCP of all the, the offerings that are out there. So this brings that enterprise level of reporting um, and compliance back to what is modern DevOps in some way. I did have a follow-up on Arai Graph or Aria Graph. I always want to say Arai, so it's Aria. Aria Graph. So I think of that now as a centralized repository for all of that information. However, you know, in days of old where these individual products had their own unique API suite. So if we needed to plug in, you know, certain other third-party applications to pull this into a centralized console or some type of other, um, you know, integration or whatnot, is the, the mean, and I could be wrong here, so Eduardo, correct me on, on this path, but will... Are, will Graph serve as the API broker? Will it be the API source of truth moving forward for these other products so that it would have a consistent set of APIs or is are we still getting to that point? Yes, you are right. Like uh, uh, there is this database services in there, but it also provides this rich API set. Okay, that, that's what the rub consumes just to, to show you on a nice uh, graphical interface, right? But it, as I said, it, it, it federates all those, those solutions. If you remember back in the days, okay, every object has a unique ID on its own solution. Right. So I mean, the, the, when you're trying to make it, a call between multiple services within the vRealize suite, it there was no... It's crazy, right? It's crazy. There's there's no way you can have like, you you need to figure out. Okay, I have a single VM, or an application, on vCenter it's a one ID, on vRops another thing, on log inside and I'm just calling the the old no names <laughs> to be a hard sweep, oh, but you, you got it. Everybody's on the same journey, uh, but. Back my point, everyone has a single ID. You have to figure out what is this ID of this entity. It's the same entity, but it has There was no master IDs. in the in the database, right? There was no single index that linked yes. all three. And you have to do six API calls to get your data and consolidate some way. But 
the ARIA graph allows you to have the single API call. I, I give me the data from this VM. That's the ID. The federation uh, on the database, it knows itself. Okay, this object on this this source is this one. He knows all those IDs and can can query all of them uh, in a single API. You just need to call the the the, the main ID. I, I call that I don't know, but <laughs> the ID on the rub, and he he learns and understands all the relationship and federation, and do the calls on your behalf. So it calls everything. It gets the the data and return to you in a single API call. Right. So I, I had made the analogy of the, the API broker in some instances, right? You don't need to know the individual product sets for, exactly. you know, real, if you realize, or excuse me, automation or operations mm -hmm. or cloud health, you make one call into graph and then yeah. graph, knowing what graphs API um, calls are, then it makes the translations for you. Yeah to go out to the individual Just go, okay, graph, give me like cost and performance from this object and it figure out what, where to get those data from. That's exactly what it is. Very simple. So um, while I was at VMware Explorer this year in the US and I was at CTAB, <laughs> Uh, talk to one of the guys that's uh, doing the Starbucks uh, data center. He was excited about Aria because he kind of want to use cloud health as a broker of costs where they're actually monitoring cloud costs, right? Looking at workloads, identifying workloads, looking at real-time costs, and then directing the workloads in real time to the place that had the best costs. Uh, for the workload, right? So I found that interesting and he was super excited about Aria because he saw this as the way to start controlling this, you know, the, 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 the cloud cost issue where you've got all of the, all these, you know, solution business groups building things and the cost itself just gets out of control. So they were looking at it from a, a cost broker perspective, right? And uh, building that, uh, I guess, uh, and then there's probably other customers. My question to you, Eduardo, is when you're talking to customers, is this primarily people that were using vRealize and now stepping into the cloud and looking for a way to kind of mitigate their cloud challenges uh, or, and which I would call brownfield, uh, versus somebody building out cloud and then realizing they need to start controlling this and then coming to VMware for a solution for problem they're seeing in the cloud. So one is Greenfield, I'm building out new cloud. The other is I've got data center and I use vRealize. Where do you see that? Is it a combination of both? Yeah, I would say it's a combination of both. Uh, like we, we, we've been talking with customers in here, like as you say, last, last week we had VMware Explore Brazil uh, event. It was a phenomenal event. There's a, um, it's not as big as the US and Barcelona, but we have 2,000 customers and media. It, we have hands on labs. It was really a great event. We are just crunching the numbers. Yeah. But uh, Summity has been here for the keynote, Ajay Patel. It, it was a great event. And I, I had the opportunity to talk with a lot of customers. And one thing that I did not mention is like uh, for the 
for the customers that are, are already consuming the SaaS services, no matter which one, like uh, area automation or area operations or cloud health, like that's now area costs, uh, they'll be entitled to area hub in area graph. So there is no extra fee or license that they're entitled to consume that. And customers were excited to that because they can uh, leverage what they already consume and created the automations, the dashboards, and the portal, the, all the data that they are already feeding to the cloud, they will be available day zero when their area is uh, available to the customers. So they are excited and people start to ask me, okay, how do I migrate my on-prem solution to the SaaS? So the, so there are a lot of interests, especially for people that consume, like, uh, as you say, cloud health for the cost management of their cloud. And I would say it, I, I, I don't have a customer right now that's uh, only on-prem or only on cloud. They, they have a mixed environment. They have the center on-prem. They have two, one, or one to two major cloud providers. And, you name it. It's a, a mixed environment. Yeah, that's that's interesting for because you also come from Latin America, mm. Brazil, where you know I was wondering the adoption of the of of that scenario, right? Like, are clouds making inroads into LATAM, and you know, and and are they facing those same challenges? And then uh, are they? You know, from my perspective, are they? I feel like some people are a little bit overwhelmed by the number of things they now have to manage as the number of services has skyrocketed and the number of places to, to Matt's point earlier, you had two databases. Now you got 20, just wondering yep. uh, how that plays out and do they feel relieved that we're offering some, some solutions and software for them? Yeah. Well, the, the, the feedback was great. I have the opportunity to talk with a few ones that they say, man, okay, that may be so, uh, you are consolidating the view. It takes me a long time to figure out stuff. There were uh, like they were excited about guard hails. Like saying, "Oh man, that, that's something." It takes me time to figure out how my my cloud are configured out there. Once I release to someone that has a higher privilege, that sometimes they change stuff that I don't know. And it takes me times to run scripts or go manually. So yeah, a lot of excitement over here about the solution. And there I'm having like almost daily calls to talk about area and how we're going on, on this direction and how they can we can help them. Nice. Matt, I gotta say, I didn't understand the aria <clears throat> as a symphony term. <clears throat> I did not I, I did is that the official reason or Eduardo, I don't know, is that is that why they named it Aria? Yeah, that's why they named it Aria. Like, <clears throat> they, they, all this this yeah. information come to provide a single team, like in an opera Orchestration, or uh, right? it's a boy just a band, if you want. They, they are all singing with their own voice, right. but produce something unique. Very nice. Very nice. Got to say that. So I will stop here and, and I'll let Matt follow up if he wants to continue with some of his questions. But uh, I want to go over to the, the VMware Explorer Brazil. So you had 2,000 okay. people. Uh, where was it? Was it in a hotel complex, an event center? Uh, what, what did that look like? It was an event center 
here in Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, we have like it at the, the main stage. It was, it was really nice. I have a, a main stage, and I have the mezzanino. Uh, on the uh, on the first floor, we have hands-on labs. We we run, oh, I, I forgot the number now. Around 500 labs. No, I forgot it. I remember nice. in a bit. Nice. All right. But yeah, there are like four four concurrent labs. Then people register and go. It's what guided labs. So we have people SEs and PSOs running. We have uh, like on the the main stage that there's there could uh, that happen for concurrent sections. People were using headset and they set the channel. So there is, we are in the center of the stage and the four sides, you can four pick sides, up yeah, That's it, interesting. That's interesting. Um, we got an offer to do that in the community booth in Europe where they were kind of challenged <laughs> space, but they had one bigger space we could use and everybody could use different headsets, colored headsets for different different talks happening in, right. yep. in the same space. Interesting. And did that, that, did, did that work? Were people comfortable with that? Yeah, yeah. We, we had it on a event before, a few years before the, the COVID um, with the COVID forum. We, we, we used that model because we're in a single space, so people don't have right. to move to other rooms and you can have the four, four tracks yeah. simultaneously. Right. You just if you pick don't a, like the session you're listening to, you, you just switch. switch to a different one and listen to somebody else, right? Like exactly. Direction. We, we have some around some booths from the sponsors. AWS was here, Google, other uh, okay. partners. Was a great uh, other, event. Other question for you: Did did you did it draw from all other countries in <clears throat> Latin America? Did you get a, a, not just Brazilians? I assume there would be a lot of others from different countries that would come in. Uh, no, Artists that I know, have just, met. Just no, <laughs> no, just Brazil. Everybody, Brazil. Then my follow-up question: Was it in Portuguese, or was it in Spanish, or was it in English? We we have running. The majority of them in, in Portuguese, of course, Summit uh, in AJ, they were running on English with simultaneous translation. Simultaneous translation on the headphones, right? Yeah. So that sounds that sounds really awesome. Like I, I th think that in, this is one of the advantages of the reformed Explore event, right? Where we're doing that, we should also call out that uh, I think that it's going to be three events simultaneously between Singapore, Japan, and possibly China the week after Explore in Barcelona, where members of the community that normally maybe not have the opportunity to transfer or travel over to San Francisco or Barcelona now have this in their local communities in a native language, right? So that they get to, to go out there and connect and to see what other um, members and businesses are, are doing and, and the intricacies that might be involved within their country and to have, you know, these global presentations and our senior, senior business leaders in market for them to speak with, it makes that, uh, you know, as we start to deconstruct the event and have more of these regionalized events, a little bit more accessible to maybe others that have not been able to afford the opportunity to travel to the main events. If I can add to that, it seems it's more close to our reality, right? Like uh, I, I went to Vimor World a few times and okay, it's a huge event, it's very nice. 
but let's say some some companies they cannot afford to send people over there but when you are here uh, there's no language barriers we have customers reference on the stage with us talking about our business here in brazil our marketing so it's yeah, very hard the, to the intricacies of, of doing business for for brazil and, yeah. and everything that goes with that there's an intangible thing to say here not only is here as a customer reference but here is an in-country customer reference yeah exactly hope Go to ahead. have that again next year <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah. I think they're excited about that. I think the movement is going to be to more regional events, right? Um, where we have opportunities to get people together out of their Zoom environments, right? And get back into uh, in-person, but maybe more regional. So I think that is a, that yeah. is an ongoing strategy that we're excited about. So. Why? Mercy, I, I'm That's... here on my home office here. Probably see my dog here. It's close to that yeah. walking time. So he'll come here calling me in a bit yeah <laughs> but absolutely. yeah i need that i need a reason to leave my home that's the, that's a good reason we are that's to right. use it I, to I, did get, I did get feedback from vmug members that uh i know we have the experts in brazil and we have vmug meters meet me, uh, members in brazil and successful chapters down there and so they were all excited about uh getting together and engaging with one another and seeing each other in person so I think it, uh, there was a lot of positive buzz. We got a report back uh, from on, uh, from VMUG uh, leadership on how well the Brazil event actually went. So they're pretty excited about that as well. Nice. Good times. Yeah. All right. So uh, I know we're going to come up to the top of the hour. So Matt, do you have any other ARIA questions for Eduardo before we get into barbecue and uh, the the wrap up of, for the for the show? Eduardo, we talked about hub, graph, guardrails. Obviously, the old V Realize suite, a little bit of cloud health, but there's so many more products that make up the Aria suite. Is there any other one that's out there that you it briefly might want to touch on uh, that gives you some excitement or that you've seen a particular use case for? Uh, wow. I think we talk about the the the. the most important ones if you mentioned skyline they're probably gonna feed information to the area hub as well uh wow no man i think that would be all not on top of my mind right uh, now all right so wrapping up normally we'll ask what gets you excited about uh next year right we're coming into the uh, the holiday season coming up um what are you looking forward to either uh some cool technology doesn't have to be vmware doesn't have to be anything like so what do you got on your radar you know that you think will be interesting next year oh yeah let's see i i i'm expecting to be honest right now i'm waiting the area to to launch you know and see how it progress well what we have a nice view i know people are working hard to deliver this view but i mentioned to to help customers what, to what, really yeah. that that's my main goal for the next year probably right. you know and now with cloud services and SaaS delivery times, uh, the the time to when new features come out will you know keep you on your toes because they're always working on new features, right? It's uh, you know, and it's exactly. easy. Exactly. 
Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. I, I have talks with my customer and like we, we have a, this monthly re release cycle, like customers on prem cannot keep up anymore with the life cycle of their solution. So that, that's what SaaS is also attraction to them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We, we are releasing new things monthly. So feature, new features, fixes. And so sometimes you are on the, your console, you, you just note, oh, there is something new here. There is some new integration. There's, that's just crazy. That's the good yeah. thing about cloud. Yep, it's a dangerous sword. You can, it's a very sharp <laughs> one, right? You can cut yourself. Um, yeah. Okay, last but not least, we do publish this. Uh, you want to look at what our Eduardo looks like? You can go to <clears throat> youtube.com slash vbarbecue, V-B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E, um, and check us out. We post all the episodes up there. And because we are on vbarbecue and we tend to do a V-Expert barbecue every once in a while, we'll ask you down in Brazil, uh, do you ever get outside? Do you barbecue on your own? Do you have any particular favorite barbecue that you like to do? Oh, yeah, man. Barbecue is a, a huge team in Brazil, right? So you probably in America knows this. There's like fogo de chão. You people call it fogo de chão or something that you can go and eat as much as you want. Sure. And pay yep. a big people yes. are crazy about that. Here in Brazil, don't like that so much. Uh, the good one is the one you do at your home. Right, you you have your grill and you do your stuff. Especially if you have a gas grill, then you're like you're on it, right? Like no, this. no, the, I don't know. This in, in English is is chalk, uh, charcoal, charcoal. That's better than gas. gas yeah, I so. <laughs> It's like an oven. <laughs> you know, Matt was nice enough to come here on his day that he was kind of sick already, and I begged him to come be on the show because. Uh, I wanted him to be here, so we will not make fun of gas barbecue. But uh, so you. So I did make Texas chili. I did make Texas chili over Texas. the last last weekend on my outside outside uh, gas natural gas oven, as you call grill. it. Grill, and it was absolutely fantastic. There was we, we used uh, a tri combination between pork, beef, and lamb. Oh, and nice. then you, you do everything in a single pot where, where you braise the, the meat real quick in batches. Uh, and then you set it aside and then uh, make up a little bit of roux based off of what is at the bottom of the pot with sure. a, a can of yep. beer. Throw some homemade That's... salsa in there and then some chips as, as a base. Uh, oh. so a little bit of cumin uh, and then some chili powder. And wow. then you put everything into a pressure cooker. And it's done in about 30 minutes. And there is absolutely Ooh. no beans involved whatsoever. As in it is a true uh, Texas chili. Texas I, chili. I'm going to try it. That sounds I great. think that it doesn't matter. The, the device, I, the chef does all the difference. I, I'm pretty sure it was amazing. Yeah. So the key to that one is you use your gas grill to char the meat outside, right? That, and then put, then go back. I just, listen, it, it's, it's in a pressure cooker pot. I, it has nothing to do with the gas grill. It has to do with the amount of smoke that you're doing three to four pounds of meat. And even okay. if you use peanut oil so or the, a, a high temperature oil, pot, but are it's you in the pressure you, cooker pot? Are you, you, does the pressure cooker normally has a lid on it and then you pressure cook it? Like, you, so this you is do. just a, Okay. So the initial braising of the meat, which mm -hmm. makes the fond 
that mm-hmm. then you put the meat back into to ultimately fi- finish under right. pressure. So okay. all right. you do a quick braise in that pot that builds in up that the fawn. That's all in there. Got it, with got a it, can of beer to build okay. up the, right. the That's root, how it if you will. The flavor, then. Right. And then you put everything back in together with a little bit of salsa, the cumin, yeah. the chili pepper, and some chips. 25 minutes under a low whistle and boom, it's some of the best chili that you could possibly melts in your mouth. (laughs) Eduardo, do you have anything you'd like to cook? Any meat? What's your favorite? (laughs) Man, uh, well, to be honest, I don't have enough vocabulary for this talk. (laughs) I don't know the parts of the call, but if we were talking Portuguese, I like lamb. Okay. Uh, pig is fine too in the barbecue. It's all, right. all great, awesome. man. Never a piece of bad barbecue. We're at the top yeah. of the hour, or a couple of minutes over. We got a little late start. Uh, we're at fifty-six minutes though, so uh, good to have you here, Eduardo. Um, are you on Twitter? How do people follow you or read about what you're doing? Yes, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my it's at. I'm not a big, big, big time big fan of twitter i'm not using that much but uh once in a while i i'm in there it's okay. it will be hard du made l i probably d-u-m-e-i-r-e-l-l got it but what i'm i'm more like i'm i'm blogging not as much as i like it's just it.net just it.net. We should have done a shout out at the beginning for your blog, right? Because I think your blog article caught our attention too. So just it.net. Just it.net. Go out, take a look at his blog. Nice blog. Um, awesome to have you here. Thanks a lot. Thanks for being uh, down at the, uh, the VMware Explorer Brazil. That's super cool. And uh, Thanks a lot. And hope you guys uh, go get some lunch. It's lunchtime here in California. I don't know what time it is in Brazil, but uh, I'm going to 5 p.m. 5 p.m. End of the end of the end of a Wednesday. End of the day. Yeah. Good to see you, Eduardo. Nice seeing you. We'll see you again. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys. Bye bye.